We haven't done this in a while. Welcome back to Ink Pulp Audio. Uh, we're trying to keep this thing alive now. Um, in a new format in some ways. With a new attitude in a lot of ways. Um, I'm going to talk about a few things here. Uh, okay, so... I started this podcast, the very first episode, I started with this, um, I called, like, being an artist, I called it having a sickness. And at the time, that's how I felt, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't regret saying it, that's where I was. Um, and a lot of people related to it. But I think it, it it was very it was a very negative mindset, and I've done a lot of work on myself, and I've learned a lot, and I'm in a very different place. I'm in a much better place. And while my career had bottomed out, and I had had all this these financial issues going on I've found happiness and I've found positivity and I've learned a lot about thinking the power of the mind um, you know I, I, was, I think when I started this podcast I was very cold very cut and dry very scientific if science can prove it, it didn't exist. It gets into my my atheism when I started this, but I've grown quite a bit, and I believe in different things now. I'm not religious. I don't believe in organized religion, but I'm learning. Uh, I have faith, and that's something I'm discovering. Uh, almost spiritual side to me, but not in any organized religious context. So I'm learning that there are things science can't or hasn't explained. And that I think I'm learning a lot in life about balance. And um, I, in beliefs, balance in beliefs. And to be pure cold in science, it doesn't explain everything for me. Like, you know, little things that started to open my eyes to this were I'd see, like, a photograph from high up in the sky of, um, like, rivers in Africa and how they all intersect. And right next to it, I'd see, like, in... MRI or an x-ray of a lung and they're identical like identical and it just makes me feel like there's a design to all this there's something coherent within life on earth I guess it is and it's not just the rivers and the lungs. There's lots of stuff like that, like the circu circulatory system and, and sometimes branches on a tree. 
things that we can't explain. And that just kind of opened my mind. And I've listened to a lot of self-help books. I don't want to get go off task too far here. But basically, I learned about, and the point of all this is, um, frequencies and energies. And energies is something I did always believe and I just never thought about it. I, if I met someone, I, I'm very intuitive with energies and can read energy very, very well. And I'm very protective of my energies. And it makes me feel, it makes people think I'm shy or quiet. But if I get a vibe from someone I've met that there's a bad energy at play here, I protect myself and I get very quiet. So, you know, my wife has always said, like, you know, we'd go out and meet some people and she'd be like, you weren't very talkative or she'd say I wasn't very nice, but I wasn't not nice. I just wasn't engaging. And um, like a year later, that person would do something shitty to her and she'd be like, you were right. And she she does back me up on this, that I read people well. So in terms of frequencies, frequencies attract like frequencies. When I started this podcast, I was vibrating at a low frequency. Think of it as like a radio signal. And I attracted a lot of people who were on that same frequency. Now, a lot of those people are diehard fans of this podcast. And what I want to do with this podcast and what I want to do with all the people who listen is not keep us down if vibrating at a low frequency attracted you to this, I'm learning to change my own frequency. And I want to help or try to help everyone vibrate at a higher frequency. Because if there's one crazy thing I have learned, and this is that I've evidence to back this up, is thinking positively, manifesting great things. It works, and you can change a lot about you, your career, your art, whatever it is, by changing the way you think. And there's a real power to this mind. And you hear people say it all the time, successful people, like when they win awards and get speeches, and the cynic in me before would always be like, oh, here we go again. But there's some truth to it. And what's the harm in it? I mean, that's the bottom line. What's the harm in it? Why not? You're happier. And look, since I've started doing it, things have improved greatly for me. And it's just starting. So, like, I, I can see it clearly, my, my path. I can see where it leads very clearly. And I have great things coming to me. And this is... It's not a hope, whereas before it was a hope. Um, I know. I can see it. It's very clear. I have the vision. Um, and I'll tell you what, you know, I, I really got into Nipsey Hussle. Uh, shortly before he died, I really dove in deep. And started really listening to what he was saying, not just in his music, but in interviews, and there's a lot of greatness to what he was saying. His mind was really amazing. 
and uh, I just recommend it. It's it's great, and also a, a big um, catalyst for this change in thinking was myself and self help books. But it was also meeting Killer Mike at a certain time, and hanging out with him and and talking with him. He just exudes this positivity and this gratitude and that's another important thing is this gratitude so you know i learned a lot from him and seeing what happens when you change your mindset so i started out with this podcast talking about the sickness and was vibrating at a low frequency and attracted a lot of people who were struggling and vibrating at low frequencies but now we're not going to do that. Now we're going to engage in high frequencies. And this podcast is going to help those, I hope, with low frequencies learn to change and vibrate at higher frequencies. So what I once saw as a sickness, now I see as an absolute blessing. I am so grateful that I get to do this every day. I mean, I have my own little studio and I just get to come in here. It's my space. It feels great in here. And I have fun and I have a lot of stuff to do and a lot of juggling. Uh, I'm doing all sorts of different things with my art, but it's all on me and it's all up to me. It was one thing when I hit bottom and I started applying for jobs. I didn't want to go away from this. I just didn't know what else to do. I felt like I had just hit bottom. And I was interviewing at SCAD again and feeling really bad about it and learning about how difficult it had become to work there. I mean, when I was there, it certainly had its problems. But it's much worse now. And... As the interview process was going on, I, I hit a point where I was like, I'm not going to get this job. I thought, you know, I had put in 10 years there. I was really a good employee and was well-liked. And that kind of shook me like, all right, well, if that's not going to happen, what are you going to do, Sean? And it just, you know, it gave me clarity. Where my emotions, I put them aside and just had to kick into like, get it done mode and I figured a lot out and then when SCAD came back to me and seemed interested in me um, I thought about it and I saw my life now I get up every day and I, I'm the master of my destiny and I'm happy and I won't be happy there so I, 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 I'm lucky I'm grateful I get to do this. So I don't see it as a sickness anymore. I see it as a true blessing. And um, I enjoy it now. I enjoy the, the, the act of drawing. I, I'm really working on getting rid of the word work from my vocabulary. I have to go to work. I'm, I was, it was a busy work day. Like, yeah, it's work, but I want to get rid of that, that word because that word has such negative connotations. It's, it, it, it Built into it is the idea that I don't really want to do this. I do want to do this, and I look forward to it every day. So I'm working on changing that word to to drawing. You know, I, 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 got, a, I got a lot of drawing to do today. It's a much better way than I have a lot of work to do today. 
And uh, that, that sort of stuff helps. That's all mentality stuff. Looking at things differently helps tremendously. So um, the direction of this podcast now is going to change. Um, and I need your help to have it do so. I put out on my social media uh, my new GoFundMe for Ink Pulp Audio. Well, it's not so new. I launched on June 1st, I believe. I think it was June 1st. Might have been May 1st. Um, but it's going to run until the end of July, maybe the end of August. And the point of this GoFundMe is to basically figure out a way to keep this podcast alive because I enjoy doing it I have a lot of listeners who enjoy listening to it I have a lot of creators who enjoy being on it a lot of creators who want to be on it a lot of creators who want to come back on it so this seems like something but it's another creative outlet for me and it's a good endeavor and, and I get a lot out of it and now that I'm exploring a new mindset I think there'll be a lot to talk about so I had this vision that I would release the podcast in seasons, just like a Netflix series. Drop it all at once. So the latest season to go up was a few months ago, which was all the Ink Pulp Jr. stuff from my Patreon, and that's season seven. So I want to record and release season eight. I, you know, my aim is between 6 and 12 episodes a season. In order to do that, um, I'm finding it very difficult to record podcasts at cons. I mean, that really is a, is a tricky thing because cons have become crazy and everyone's so busy. So just getting away to record is different, difficult. And also, your mind is all over the place. So um, I thought it'd be great to be able to go to a location where there's a lot of people and record. So a lot of creators, like, like, like an area that's infested with creators. And I thought about Portland, Oregon. I've never been, always wanted to go there. I know a lot of creators there. And uh, I know Bendis is there, and I'd really like to get him on here. So I was like, all right, I need to be able to afford this trip. That's a plane ticket, that's meals, that's hotels. Also, something else I consider was time away from work. So while I'm not at home and I'm out recording, I'm not making money. So I have to consider that as well. Uh, if I look at this podcast, I've put a lot of money into it just in terms of equipment and time. I've made some money back through the Patreon, but not enough. I'm still in the red quite a bit. So in order to move forward, I need this podcast to be in the green. As long as it's in the green, I can keep it going. And in the green, even if it's a dollar in the green, it's in the green. That's all I need. So the GoFundMe is to cover my expenses for Portland. I am trying to raise 37 $3,750. Um, that was my estimated cost of the trip. 
I'm currently at 1,200, which is great. That is about a third, almost a third of the way there. So in the next two months, I need to get to my goal. Now, what happens if I don't get to my goal? This is the trick with GoFundMe because the money comes in regardless. So if I don't get to my goal, I'm going to have to figure out a different means of recording episodes, um, which I can do, but it won't be this Portland trip. And I've got a lot of people, a lot of creators very interested in already being on it. And I think the experience in and of itself will be great. Now, when I release these seasons, I'm not going to release an intro for each episode. I'm just going to release an intro for the season as its own episode. So there's not going to be a ton of rambling. Again, I'm not going to be using this podcast to complain or dive into my, my, well, what I was doing is diving into my own misery. I'll talk about problems and challenges, but I'll talk about solutions on top of that. So what I need from all of you is while I put this out on my social media, I, I don't know how many of my listeners, my devoted listeners really heard about this. Now, 1200 is a really significant number that I've raised so far. And the first week it was up, I was just blown away by the generous donations. So I, I, what I'm asking for you is if you have not donated, please do whatever you can afford. I've got everything from $5 to $200 donations. Whatever you can afford, I am absolutely grateful and thankful for. And I see this podcast now as ours, not just mine, because I need your help to keep it going. Uh, so now if you have donated, please spread the word. So I'm gonna read the link. It's simple. It's just gofundme.com slash Portland, All lowercase. Um, I'm sure if you Google Ink Pulp Audio GoFundMe, you'll see it. It shouldn't be hard to find. It's also my Instagram has the link to it. And, of course, I'll, I'll tweet out and, and all social media. Will, I'll put the link out for it when this episode comes out on July 1st. But I really need your help on this and I want to get it going um, so please check it out please donate um, also I have Ink Pulp Audio t-shirts uh, the original logo in different colors you can see it on my social media again I have grape, turquoise, red and navy really nice shirts are $25 each if you're interested you can email me at um, inkpulpshawn at me.com me, M-E, dot com. And uh, I'll set you up with that. Um, yeah, I'm just going through my little uh, little outline right here because I had a lot I wanted to talk about today. Did the... Did, did, did. Okay, so let's continue moving forward. Um, I started doing something else other than listening to my audiobooks and maybe my next intro for the season eight I can talk about which books are helpful but something I just started doing is microdosing uh, microdosing mushrooms 
Um, for those of you that don't know, this is basically taking a minuscule amount of psychedelic mushrooms um, once a week. And it's a minuscule amount to where you don't, you don't have a trip, you don't really feel psychoactive effects. And I'm kind of interested in recording my journey with this microdosing. But the idea is, if you read about it, they're finding a lot of success with it treating PTSD, depression, um, all sorts of things. So now that I feel like I'm healing my mind, I thought about, let's see what this does. I came in contact with the ability to get some, so I got some, and I'm taking a tiny little dose. So I took my first dose on Sunday. Sorry, it was a big yawn. Um, took my first dose on Sunday, and about 20 minutes in, I was at the gym, and I felt really energetic. Not like caffeine, but just very up, happy, very happy. Very happy, but very energetic too. And I had a great workout. About uh, 40 minutes in, I noticed the lights were dancing a little bit. That reminded me of, of back when I was young and I used to trip. Um, so I was like, oh no, is this going to now be a trip? Because I didn't want that. But no, that quick, that just quickly faded. It was just a, you know maybe 10 minutes of like when I look at the lights, I see a little trail here and there, but nothing big. But then that just went away, and I was just happy, really happy and, and energetic for a bun for a good four hours, and then it was this real gentle ease out of it, and, and you felt, I felt like I took like the tiniest little puff off a joint, so I wasn't high, but I did feel a little like just glazed. Is probably a good word for it. Um, and it was great. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, uh, but then there was no come down. It was just this gentle, like, oh, I'm feeling clearer now. But I also felt very, very relaxed. Not tired, but very at peace, very at ease. And what I've been reading about microdosing is it's not the day you take it that you're really going to see the benefits of it. It's three days later. So I'm recording this on, on the, like, two and a half days later. Or maybe it's two days later. And what I've noticed since taking it is my mind's been very... Oh, also one of the things is it's supposed to be great for creativity. And I did notice when I, I was on it, there was a lot of creative ideas happening. Um, and since then, my mind's been really filled with creative ideas. And since I took it, my mind's been, like, very clear. And I, I can kind of see very clearly the problem areas that I've been trying to work through in my life. Whereas before they were very hazy. Now they're very clear to me. And I think this is just stage one of, of what this does. It gives you clarity, allows you to work through it, and find happiness on the end. And yeah, I'm, I'm much happier now than I was just three months ago. But I'm also very excited about where I'm going. Um, so upon first dose, two days later, I'm really excited by this. And I'm really interested to see where it goes. So I do it on days when I'm not working. 
when I don't have much going on, which is usually a Sunday. And uh, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Maybe I'll just record like a microdose diary once a week, and I'll release that attached to my intro for season eight. So again, please get involved. Please get involved with GoFundMe. If you haven't donated, please donate. If you have donated, please help spread the word. If you've purchased a shirt from me, thank you. If you haven't, please consider doing so. They're great shirts and really comfortable material. Um, I think I picked some really interesting colors. And I, I just, I want to get more, I mean, I'm rebranding Ink Pulp as well, like with new logos and stuff coming in 2020, I think. Um, but I, I, I want to, I want supporters to have something to show their support with. It would be awesome to just see an Ink Pulp audio shirt or pin out in the wild one day. Um, at cons and stuff like that. I think that'd be really cool. Just to see our community. And, and what if you saw someone with one? You'd have something to talk about. So please get involved with those things. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is a controversial subject in comics right now. And there's this thing going on, writers versus artists. I, I don't like the idea of writers versus artists. Um, but I do stand by a lot of the... Um, problems the art community is having with the industry maybe not the writers individually because i don't think you can blame the writers this is the system and it's a system built for writers to be able to exploit and succeed in on a much easier level than artists and that's just fact well okay it's my opinion but i'm pretty sure it's fact um, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying this is how it is. So there, it, it allows people to complain, which is fine because I think there are some very legitimate points being discussed. But the adaptive mind would say, all right, this is how it is. Let me adapt and go. So I think that's, that's a healthy approach to this. But it is still a problem. It doesn't make it right. Just because you can adapt and change to it and find your own success, that's wonderful. But that also, it takes care of you. But the problem is still there. And I believe in community. And I would like to see a healthier community for artists. Now, let's talk about the problem first. So I was at Free Comic Book Day and I was out drinking with some artists as we do. And we were getting kind of lit, and this topic came up, and I just said, well, let me ask you all this. If all the artists in comics disappeared, what would be left? You'd have written books. Most writers can't or don't draw. So if you take away all the artists, what's left is basically novellas or some stick figure comics, with the rare exception of a well-done piece like something David Lapham would do with Stray Bullets, a writer-artist situation. Um, there's a few writers that can draw really well, but just don't. Rick Remender comes to mind. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Rick's drawings. 
and he could put out his own books, but that's rare. So if you took away all the writers from the industry, what would be left? Comics as they are would be left. There would The only change that might occur or could very well occur is maybe the quality of story goes down a little bit. But the reason it would survive is we're not just illustrators, comic book artists. We are storytellers. So we know storytelling. And we could very well write our own books. So in terms of the importance of a role in this medium, the lion's share of the work is the artist. Uh, the colorist and the letterers are all very important and they get left out and th that's another discussion that needs to be had because they play a very important role in this too and I mean look I love the collaborative nature of comics this is not to separate what I'm trying to do is address an issue and address a discussion so that things can come together because division is happening and that's what I don't like um so we're the storytellers, and it, it gives us the ability to write. It's a visual storytelling medium. What you see in a comic when you open it is that artist's telling of the story, telling of the script that was given to them. So how much credit can you really give the writer? Um, not most. I, you know, I think it's a if it's done well, it's a, it's a good balance. I mean, there are some writers like Alan Moore who th this is this is kind of the crux of the issue M most every writer could not lay out their own book so what that means is most every writer really doesn't have a firm understanding of the page in terms of real estate the visuals in terms of storytelling design and composition I'm not talking about rendering, I'm talking about the, the, the skeleton of this medium. So most every artist needs to understand these things. Now, there's the rare exception of the writer like Alan Moore who understands this and can write a very thorough descriptive script in which it works. That's really rare. So most every writer, I guess, has one of two ways to go. Leave it very open in the script to let the artist do their thing, or control it in the script, and then the artist has to, most of the time, fix what was written. Because most of the time, what's in the script is it doesn't work and you've got to make it work. Most of the time you're adding panels, most of the time you're ignoring things that just are too much, and I've spent years doing this. I've worked with some writers who really have a good firm grip on, on this medium, but that has been in the minority without a doubt. And I've spoken to a lot of artists, and this is just the case, so that's fine. Uh, I mean, that's our job. Make it work. And we do. But the problem lies in a few things. 
to find financial comfort and success in, in comics working for mainstream publishers, you have to become a really big-name artist. The middle class is just really having a rough time. And get on big books. Um, and there's just not that many. And in order to get on big books, most of the time you have to have a big writer like your work and request you. So the publishers give these writers a ton of power. So I'm just trying to keep track of my thoughts here. So the, the okay. So why is it built for success for the writers? Not why, how. So a writer can write, and I'm being generous here, four issues a month. I think he could write more, but generally they say a, a, a week per issue. Now I know writers that say they can write an issue in 20 minutes, but let's say a week per issue. So that's four titles a month. The writer gets a lower page rate than the artist, that's for sure. Um, is it, you know, an artist, if, if you're penciling and inking your own books, if you're fast, you're looking at a good six-week schedule. So is the writer getting paid six times less than the artist? No. So their ability to make more in a single month just on page rate alone is skewed in their favor. Or maybe let's be generous and let's say that it's about equal. Um, but let's keep going. Writers get a larger percentage of royalties. Now, writing four books a month gives you the ability to get four times the amount of royalties than the artist. If And this is, again, assuming you're a monthly artist, which is really rare. So four times the amount of royalties can be had, and then they get a higher percentage. Now, when I say a writer can write an issue in a week, I'm talking Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Artists are generally working seven days a week. Now, I know there are writers that work really hard and are always writing. I get it. But writers can go to more conventions, is my point. Um, they have more time. They have more free time to do things. The more conventions you go to, the more you can be out in the public, the more you can build awareness of your brand as a writer um so again more benefits to to them and this is not their again not their fault this is the system this is the way it's built and i'm going to get to some thoughts on that in a minute so they can get more royalties they can write more books which means they're also on the shelf in more in a higher capacity the percentage of books that are on the shelf can be greater for the writer. They can also go to more conventions. They also um, can spend more time on social media. Because like most of the time, the artists are just consumed completely with this job. And if they've got a family, it's, it's even trickier. Uh, so it's skewed a lot in their favor to succeed financially and become popular um, and then they're given a lot of credit and this is the media's fault how many times do you see you know so-and-so's x-men you know just bendis's daredevil you know it's it's not bendis's daredevil it's 
Bendis and Maliv or whoever they're working with. It's the team's Daredevil. But over and over again, you see this um, through media coverage. And the artist isn't even mentioned. And that's a major problem because it builds an awareness in the public that the writers are their creators. And that, that's, an, that, that's not cool. And that's where I think a lot of artists are, are speaking out, and rightfully so. And a lot of writers are, are speaking out, too. Not enough. Uh, it just it shouldn't happen. It just should not happen. The the basically what you're saying is because this artist missed you know a few issues, uh, I can't give them credit. I have to give it all to the writer. Well, if it takes a lot longer for the artist to draw, that's a really unfair advantage that you're giving the writer. So I, I think that that needs to really change, and you see it all the time, not just in comic news media but mainstream media entertainment weekly things like that where they're like you know so-and-so's you know comic is now being made into a movie and they're crediting the writer solely as the creator and it's really an unfair advantage um it also helps the writer build their brand and their awareness and quite frankly it's shitty now, let's also get into the... So talking on the mainstream publishers, the Marvels, the DCs, uh, and their idea of the architect. I've seen, and, and I felt this too, it's an unfair advantage that when they plan, like when Marvel plans their big events every year, it's a writer's room. And I've had this argument at, at dinners where certain artists will say, well, it's their job to write it. It has nothing to do with the artist. F fair, it's their job to write it, but it, but it puts in, it takes this stance that the artist is just hired to draw things. They're just the hired gun, but we are the storyteller. But let's dig deeper into this. Well, isn't the writer just a hired gun the same as the artist? I mean, none of us own these properties. We're working for these publishers. So for the publishers to give power to these writers in terms of letting these writers plan their events and their their books it allows the writers to become powerful in the corporate structure of these publishers it and the artists to not be and that i think is an issue if you want to be completely fair the editors should all get together and plan the year hire the writers to write it hire the artists to draw it that seems the fair way to be. Or have the artist in on the the planning. And I don't agree with this idea that, well, what business does an artist having be there? I think they have a lot of business being there. I think they're creative thinkers, the same as writers. And they're problem solvers. And honestly, we have good ideas too. I can't tell you how many times I've had to take a dull script and find a way to make it interesting. So what's the harm in having the artist there is, is the counter-argument to what business do they have being there? Well, what's the harm? It gives them an equal share in power as the writer. Um, but, you know, if you look at Marvel and you look at DC and you look at freelancers who have corporate power in those publishing houses, they're writers. And that, that's another unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
when we were having this discussion at the at the bar during Free Comic Day, and I said, if you got rid of all the writers, there'd be nothing left to put out except novels. But if you got rid of all, I mean, if you got rid of all the artists, you'd have nothing out, nothing to put out. Comics as a medium wouldn't exist. But if you got rid of all the writers, you'd still have comics. Um, we all agreed on that. But um, someone dared me to tweet it out, and I was drunk, and I was about to, and I was like, let me do this when I'm sober. And then one of them said, well, yeah, you shouldn't, because that's career suicide. And that that is ridiculous. Speaking truth is career suicide. Whatever. I'm not worried about my career. I stand on the quality of the work I do. I stand on my beliefs. And this is not to take down any writers, but to lift up artists. So why is that a controversial subject? Why is it something you should be weird talking about? Um, and I, honestly, to be frank, I've seen a lot of writers rise to stardom who are just terrible. They're idea men, they're Hollywood producers in comics, and they're not good writers. And honestly, if, if I look at the medium, talking about Marvel and DC, I haven't seen books challenge this medium very much. They're serviceable, digestible, at best fun books being put out. The scheduling makes it tricky to, to really push the medium, but the comics I grew up on, the Miller run, on Daredevil, Born Again, Maza Kelly, Year One, um, people, Alan Moore's Watchmen, stuff like this shaped and changed the medium. And I don't see that. I don't see the medium being challenged. And I got to put this on the artist too. I don't think a lot of artists are even uh, capable of, of thinking in those terms. I don't think a lot of writers are. And I think the medium ultimately suffers. And this is the day we're living in the age of branding. And it's all because of social media. It's a wonderful tool for us to be able to reach an audience, but it gives a lot of notoriety to people who, I, I remember I used to get annoyed because I would say like, you know, people aren't paying dues. They're not learning how to do this. They're just coming in as stars because they did some fun drawings on Tumblr. Um, and I think that affects the medium. I'm just, and that's fine. Look, this people go exploit whatever you can to make the money you need to make. That's totally legit. That's totally fine. I myself want to do more than just that. I, I really want to challenge the medium. And I don't see a lot of that going on. Um, so anyways, a lot of writers are coming in. They're just idea men. They're just producers. And they're not good writers. But they rise to stardom because they're given all these advantages. So, you know, it's just something we think about a lot. It's something we need to, to talk about. Um, artists are not just hired hands. We're not just hired to draw. We're hired to tell the story. Um, but this all goes back to Stan Lee. This is the industry that was built by a hype man, an idea man and a hype man. So to say this is unfair is, is a bit ridiculous because this is how it was built. Jack Kirby was not given the credit he's due. I mean, I still have people all over my Facebook feed who think Stan Lee created everything and drew everything. It's an absolute unawareness. It's not their fault, but it's the perception. And Stanley was a great hype man, and he did his job uh, really well. And people believe it. 
did he create everything? Can we give him that credit? I don't know. There's a lot of gray area there. Ditko, Kirby, they created a lot. I don't know what Stan did. Uh, I, I mean, Kirby certainly isn't giving the credit he deserves. Ditko, the same. So, this is how the industry was built. You know, I, I've... I've heard a lot of stories of Stan just saying, ah, we need this. He needs to, you know, Spider-Man needs to fight the Green Goblin. Go draw it. That's not writing. That's the artist writing the issue. That's the artist creating things. So, I don't know. I, I guess I'd like to see the balance tipping back. I'd like to see credit given where credit is due. I'd like to see credit taken away where credit wasn't earned. Um, this is all important stuff. Again, to get back, I do believe collaboration is what makes this medium great. I've worked with writers who are very collaborative. James Robinson's script was amazing. And what we did on Scarlet Witch is ours. It's not his. It's not mine. It's ours. And that's what comics should be. Um... But that's rare. I mean, that's really rare. Not many people... And uh, James, I've spoken to him. He was trained by Archie Goodwin. Who's training people now? Uh, there's no training ground. Marvel has these little schools for artists, like their, their um, exclusive talent, where they'll train them, and they'll have like Klaus Jansen and Howard Chaykin come in and train these people. And Howard has said this, and I agree with the sentiment, why aren't we training the writers? And that's the big 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 problem because an artist should be trained on how to thumbnail but so should a writer and that's really important because that would change everything if they started thinking about what's on a page and understanding the amount of real estate a page can actually hold it can't hold everything things would change um and I'm not trying to diminish the importance of writers. I'm trying to expose the importance of artists. I want to see a balance, a better balance. Um, and I mean, if I look at the Marvel movies, they're just doing a better job than the comics. These movies aren't going to bring people into comics. They're not going to make people pick up comics. Not enough to see a difference. And frankly, they're doing a better job. The people writing the movies and directing the movies, or let's just get to the writing. People writing the movies have a better understanding of writing than the people writing the comics. For the Not in every instance, but for the most part. Those movies are much more engaging, much more interesting. I never read an issue of Guardians of the Galaxy before the movie that I, I was really entertained by, but that movie really entertained me. But again, let's let's look at film. It's a visual medium and, and really who's you know, you see the the director given the credit for the vision. Martin Scorsese's um, taxi driver, which he didn't write, but he directed. Um, if you're lucky in some instances, you do see the screenwriter involved. But it's a visual medium, and I've always said this when I taught. You should be able to give a script to three different directors and get three very different films. 
because the director is going to see their vision in it and direct to that. And the same thing's true of comics. So if that's the case, how much of the writer's vision is really coming through? If it's a really collaborative effort, then it's both of their visions. In my case, most of the books are me trying to fix their vision to make it work. And there's no vision in that. And that's not good. So those are just some thoughts on the writer versus artist thing. Uh, I don't want to see this division. Uh, it's important to talk about what's going on, where it's coming from. But what we need to do is find the better balance. And we need to not divide the community. Everything right now is so divided. It's all about black and white, this versus that. Republicans, Democrats, writers, artists. It's insane. And, you know, colorists are the ones really getting screwed in the big picture. And, and letterers are getting screwed, too. And we need a better balance across the board. And honestly, colorists have such an important role in, in mainstream published comics right now because of the advancements in printing and technology. What Colorists can take very mundane artwork and make it sing like never before. So we do need to give colorists a lot more credit. And letters too. Most of the time, these the artists today don't even know how to how to spot word balloons, so they're not even thinking about it. And the letter has to figure out how to make it work. That's a whole bunch of work too. So that's that. Thank you for listening to me. Um, we're gonna. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So. Um, that's about it. Please get involved with the GoFundMe. Please spread the word with the GoFundMe. If you'd like a shirt, please email me. Again, the GoFundMe is GoFundMe.com slash Inkpulp Audio Portland. Help me get there. I think we're going to have some real exciting things. And the episode won't just be the Portland trip. Um, I'm hoping to record some local episodes here and there. And, you know, whatever I record in Portland, let's say you get eight episodes, maybe I can record four around Atlanta or uh, one at every convention I go to. That would be, recording one at every convention would be awesome. That I think is doable, but I can't survive. And the other thing is this monthly thing is just impossible to keep up with. So if I get eight episodes out of a season, I get eight episodes. Dump it all at once. You guys have a bunch to listen to. It'll be fun. And then after Portland, you know, maybe if I can do one or two of these a year, not all of them will be Portland. Portland's a big one. It's an expensive one. It's far from me. But I could do New York. I could do Kansas City. I mean, there's all sorts of places I could go. Um, I could hit an area where there's some creators around the area and do a few cities, stuff like that. So please get involved with that. If you'd like a T-shirt, email me at inkpulpshawn at me.com. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy the new uplifting attitudes. Uh, we got a lot to talk about coming up, and I've got a lot to talk to my guests about. Um, yeah. Thank you for being a fan.
Flexing on some t-shirts up in sacks, nigga B12 in the valley, black on black, nigga SA in the valley, do my tax, nigga White boy in Manhattan, pay my tax, nigga Drive out to the Hamptons to relax, nigga I stop smoking weed and I relapse, nigga Travel around the world and I came back, nigga Worth a couple million, that's a fact, nigga But I am nothing like you fucking rap, niggas I own all the rights to all my raps, nigga German place with sheepskin on my mats, nigga Murder rate increasing if I snap, nigga Ain't no hanging out, we take y'all off and double back, nigga Open trust accounts, deposit racks, nigga Million dollar life insurance on my flesh, nigga Beamers, Benz, Bentleys, or Alex, nigga Ferraris in them Lambos, that's what's next, nigga yeah. Some t-shirts up in sacks, nigga